All right, you're back on the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is... James Davis. And we are here on a Wednesday leading into Thanksgiving. Massive basketball slate here. Massive. Um, the, the Massive. So, so big, you can't even calculate it. I, I tried to Whew. calculate how big the this, this, this slate was, and it was incalculable. Uh, but it's it funny, because like the NBA just we did such weird stuff with the schedule like tuesday had two games that started at 8 30 and then a game at nine so i just a little bit weird when they were looking at that and then every single team it seems like is playing on wednesday nobody plays thursday which makes sense i guess like they just gave up said forget thanksgiving everyone get thanksgiving off you football can have it we'll be back again on friday uh, and then there's like a random on friday there's a random noontime game between the nets and the celtics and then a regular basketball like it's just a little bit weird with the scheduling here but tons of games here on wednesday do you think that, like, we see, I mean, this feels like it's going to be leading into the holiday. It feels like everyone's going to be around. It feels like, I mean, by everyone, I mean people that play DFS, not like, I don't know, whatever else. Um, do you feel like this is going to be, like, just one of the bigger slates of the year? It just feels like leading into the holiday makes me feel like there's just going to be a lot of people putting in lineups tonight. Yeah, I guess it depends because, on one hand, like, I, I'll certainly be there putting in lineups. But I also remember being a young man and going out the night before Thanksgiving. So, oh, yeah. I don't know... If people still do that, obviously at like age 37 with three kids, that's not on my to-do list for tonight <laughs> to go out to the like local you'll be there, Like you'll be at the bar, you'll be at the bar early so you can get home to, to hang out with your kids. That yeah, like I, when I was at City Streets in East Windsor, New Jersey, you know, just putting in time, seeing all the old boys come in, talking about good times. Like, no, nah, I probably won't be doing that tonight. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be in front of this. this. This really is a massive slate. And I don't know if you noticed this too or if we've talked about it, but um, the... With, with it being Wednesday, too, in the NBA shot on FanDuel, they have this $5,000 three-point bonus. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's another interesting little wrinkle to these Wednesday slates now, too. So, uh, yeah, a lot of fun tonight. Okay, so we're going to roll through. I, I, we're going to try to focus on the DFS plays here. It's going to be a little bit more about the injury stuff and where you go. It's, you know, Some slates, when we talk about this on the podcast, it's a little easier to know a clear path of what the lineups are going to look like, I think. I don't think that's the case right now. We're recording this at 8.30 in the morning. Uh, so there's still lots of news out there. So I think what we'll spend here is we'll go through game by game, talk about guys that guys that like guys that like you said like you can put put on your radar and also just put on the radar in what situations we're going to be looking for uh, in terms of where things might pivot one direction or another because there is a decent amount of injury stuff here. So that's that's kind of the format we'll take here. It's a little different than other uh, other podcasts that we do in in the sense that it's not to me in hitting calculate right now things do not look even close to crystal clear. So. Orlando goes in and plays Cleveland. That's a 7 o'clock game. Orlando still without Vooch, still without Aaron Gordon. Jonathan Isaac has been, um, has really stepped into this role in terms of just like, you know, a little bit more usage and some more minutes. They did see some uptick in guys like Markel Fultz and Evan Fournier's usage has gone up even though he couldn't hit a shot. Where do you put them, these Orlando guys, against Cleveland? Very bad defense. Kevin Love questionable right now. Um, very low total, but it feels like there might still be a little bit of value here on the Magic side. Yeah, there might be. I think Isaac, you know, he was a guy we were really interested in playing at 6,700 when he walked into this situation. I think at 8,000, all that upside, is you're sort of priced into it. Not to say he can't do it. I mean, he did it in the Indiana and Toronto games, but I think that Detroit game is the type of performance you have to consider as a possibility too, where he only played 4X on this price, you know, and um, we, we've seen this a number of times. If your true rotation, which I think Isaacs is, is around 31 minutes a game, it's just yeah. really hard to sustain being an $8,000 or more player. Like those extra four minutes increase the floor so dramatically. And for a guy too, he really relies a lot on the defensive stats 
you know, five blocks and steals against Detroit, six against Indiana, four against Toronto. You miss two of those, and all of a sudden you go from being a fine play to being sort of a disaster. So uh, I think Isaac is a reasonable option, but very volatile. And, you know, like you said, on the one of the biggest slates of the year, I don't know that that's where I'm, I'm going to start things. Uh, on the Cleveland side, like I said, they're without Kevin Love. I, th- I think well, Kevin Love's questionable. He sat out the last two games. Larry Nance got the start. Larry Nance saw a ton of ownership, uh, specifically last game, which even more than the one before when he got the spots. He was awesome against the Nets. It was a really good matchup there. Um, on a huge slate like this with a little bit of a price in- uptick, do you think – I feel like I'm ready to be off Nance. I'm only mentioning him because, like, the ownership was so high last time he came out, and he was really good. Like, he absolutely crushed it uh, against the Nets. But I feel like at this point, even if Love were to sit again, I'm not sure I want to be there on Nance. I'm re- not interested in anyone else on Cleveland. Yeah, I think that's – you're pretty much speaking my language here. Nance is a guy that we played two nights ago – or two games ago at 5,700 – like Isaac, though, you know, pushing 7,000 now, um, I just don't know what kind of upside is left here. I think it's possible that he's a good play. I think if it were a small slate, if it were a, you know, a Thursday slate, three-game, four-game slate, I think I'd be more interested. I think the floor is actually pretty high here. The floor is probably what he did against Portland, where he had around 29 fantasy points, and that's pretty reasonable. But on a huge slate like this, I'm just... This is the first game on the slate. I'm hoping to do better for cash games. I think the upside, unquestionably, there for big tournaments. But I think for cash games, with 13 games left to go, I'm, I'm going to be in a wait-and-see mode here. By the way, in, in the old, uh, you're talking to a true professional here. As we were talking there, I by mistake closed out all, every single tab that I had open for, for, for the slate with all the research that I had going. Um, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even notice except that I mentioned to brag about it that I'm right back in the I'm right back in the mix without everyone even noticing that Incredible. I just was absolutely panicking didn't even stop the podcast when I just for some reason hit the X button. Detroit goes in and plays Charlotte. This game has a two sixteen and a half over under, which is I'm mentioning this because this is really high for Detroit because Charlotte is terrible. Uh, just one of the very best yes. matchups you can get in terms of uh, DFS really viability right now. Detroit has shortened up the rotations. Uh, Bruce Brown playing a lot. Langston Galloway actually playing a lot at the point guard position, starting at you know the nominal point guard. He's Blake. They still run so much stuff out of, out of Blake. Where do you stand, though, when they're fully healthy? The price is up. Like you're Still maybe a value on Drummond, but it definitely doesn't get as much love when Blake's around here. I'm spending a little more time with Detroit here, mostly because the matchup is so good against Charlotte. Yeah, and our system is curious about whether you should just run Blake out there, right? I mean, 7000 now for this guy, who we've paid 10000 for in the past in similar minutes. Uh, I know that a lot of Blake's value came from his explosiveness, and losing that explosiveness and being on the team with Drummond has really come at a cost of not only his points, but his rebounds too. Uh, eight total rebounds in his last 63 minutes on the court. It's yeah. pretty lousy. Um, I don't know. Like, I think certainly the names that you'll recognize on Detroit are interesting, Blake right now, though, is one of the main guys pushing our cash game lineups. Are you ready to do it? I mean, this would no. be, no, you know, we're in the in that quandary where we would be asking, we would be there for the first time he did it this season. <laughs> and I don't know if that's where we want to be on a 13-game slate. But uh, what are your thoughts? Now, in general, I, I hate the rebounding for him at this point in his career, yeah. which we've mostly built into his projection at this point. Like, um, we're still kind of feathering in baseline projections, but uh, for the most part, the, the rebounds have been basically dumpstered on him he was running really bad from three for a while which was really crushing his scoring which by the way if he's not going to rebound he needs to score he is a better three-point shooter than when he had been doing he's kind of made up for it a little bit over the last couple games he's not a guy on a huge slate is definitely not a guy i want to run into cash games because one there's no upside in the minutes at all and i think that on a big slate you need to have at least something built in that says yes we have him at 31 minutes and he might play 35 but that's not the case with Griffin, right? Like they're just they're yeah. still pretty much monitoring the minutes. And I think when that's the case, I want to be 
I definitely want to be bearish on the projection because you're just not going to get the 35-minute game. Like, you're not going to get the overtime. You know what I mean? Like, I well, you might, but I it's so unlikely. As opposed to, I'm trying to think of an example of a guy that goes, like, Trey Young goes the other way, right? Like, if you give him 38 minutes, you could, there's a world where he plays 42, right? Like, um, and if, he, if everything's rolling correctly. Like, I get that those aren't one-to-one comparisons, but that's kind of where I, Blake Griffin is not going to be a guy I want to run in cash games at all. Yep. On, the Char- on the Charlotte side, and I don't think I'm interested in really anything else here on the Detroit side. On the Char- Drummond's a little bit interesting, but I think that at 9,300, mostly because Charlotte is so bad. On the Charlotte side, guys like Rozier, guys like Graham, Miles Bridges at times. Detroit is not a good team either. A little bit of a pace-down matchup here. Um, any interest in anything on, on the Charlotte side? Not on a big slate. Um, P.J. Washington lost his minutes, too. He was an yeah. early season kind of DFS darling. But right now, the Charlotte guys are absolutely nowhere near our cash game lineups. And uh, if you're considering them, um, like maybe Miles Bridges can sniff it a little bit. But if you're considering these guys, it's probably going to be just for big tournaments. Yeah, No. and by the way, no other real injury news and notes here uh, outside of things that have sort of been known uh, for quite some time with both of these teams. Utah goes in and plays Indiana. Game is a very low total. It should be expected pace down. For both teams, or it's just low pace for both teams. Utah is about the best defensive team in basketball right now. Uh, they're third overall right now. Indiana's eighth. When you see two pretty slow teams um, with good defensive matchups, are you? Is it, it, can we? I don't want to say skip all outright because this price always matters with these things. But there's no real injury stuff here either. I guess maybe outside of Tony Bradley. Well, go bear. Yeah, I was going to say go bear. Tony Bradley's been pretty serviceable in the yeah. 22 minutes he's been getting. Um, you know, scoring more than a fantasy point a minute. The price has come up on him, though, right? So I think you could have probably gotten away with something grabbing him after that New Orleans game uh, when the price was still cheaper at 4800 on FanDuel. What am I really doing playing 20 minutes of Tony Bradley on a, a million-game slate? So, yeah, I don't see too many viable DFS options here. The one thing I will say, and we'll move on from this game, is that if you're using full-season stats on defense uh, in general, Gobert is such a difference maker that they do yeah. take a pretty big hit on defense with him not being there. The, diff- the Going from Gobert to Tony Bradley is a massive hit on your defensive expectation, right? And I think that's like the one case if you wanted to say there's, you know, that's where people played Giannis the other night against Utah, and I think it was probably mostly correct because, uh, even though we didn't, but it was mostly correct I think because the loss of Gobert is one of those true guys that like going from him to anybody else, it's just how good he is. So um, I, that, I guess that's more like the case for like a Sabonis and Miles Turner. And on a big slate, I'm just not sure you're getting away with much on the prices on any of these guys. All right, uh, Sacramento goes in and plays Philly. Embiid is coming off the worst game easily of his career. Didn't score any points. Um, he was like 0 for 11 from the field. It, easily, like I said, the worst game of his career. Nine and a half point home favorites here. Two 11 and a half over under. When Philly's fully healthy, I it's again, it's one of those situations like I'm just not interested in, in it from DFS, right? Like they're just too spread out. There's too many good players here. If someone sits, I'm all for it. Like, you know, hit Sid Simmons, we play NATO, and maybe Josh Richardson. And Bede sits, obviously, you go all the way into Al Horford. For the way they the, the way they stand right now, fully healthy, I'm not interested, and I kind of feel the same way against Sacramento. They're also running into a terrible defensive matchup here. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes, revenge game, buddy. Oh. Like all that revenge he yeah. wants against these guys. Get ready for it. Yeah, I feel the same way. Philly, uh, oftentimes with good teams, you'll see this where there's a consistency around the minutes. And that brings everyone's price up. Philly gets it both ways, though, because when they're all healthy, there is consistency in the minutes. But then when Embiid sits, everyone's ownership skyrockets and their performance skyrockets. So the guys like Horford, Tobias Harris, a lot of these players are priced as though Embiid's out because they can't have... I think the algorithms have sort of adjusted for 
the situation where Embiid's out and then all the Philly guys are placed like it was early this season. So, yeah, you have high prices across the board and on a fully healthy unit. Uh, that's not exactly where you want to be. Uh, on the Sacramento side, I think one player some people might talk themselves into is Corey Joseph just because he's been playing 34 to 35 minutes a game on just a $5,000 price tag. The floor has sort of been there, but he's just not as involved in the offense as the point guard label would suggest. So I don't think I would really want to be there myself. Bogdan Bogdanovich is probable right now. He's like the one guy, like if he sat, then I think we could redistribute some of those minutes like Joseph, Buddy Heald, stuff like the uh, Bijalisa, um, sure. like that. But I don't think, I think, I think Bogdan's going to play. And again, when he's, he takes he takes such a big usage piece out of the second unit too. So and again, that's just mostly just speaking to the you know where we want to be from a DFS perspective. Last seven o'clock game, Brooklyn goes in and plays Boston. Boston seven point home favorites here. The news here is that after the very scary uh, collision that Kemba took the other night, where it looked really bad, it was one of those things where he took a knee to the head and it didn't look that bad. It was one of those things where his reaction looked so bad, like he just kind of collapsed to the ground. You're like, oh my god, he's like fucking paralyzed or something like that. So like I don't. But the, the fact that he's actually going to be back and playing in this game is sort of remarkable to me. I think from a Boston perspective, the price is all climbed up a little bit with no Kemba. I don't think you want to be there, except for Enos Cantor. Is 25 minutes out of Enos Cantor big enough against a Brooklyn team that still let, really lets it up to opposing centers? Is it enough at 4,500 on FanDuel to consider him? I do not think he's going to play more than 25 minutes. I think you're getting, you know, in the old, that's what you're going to get. You're getting 25 minutes of him, and that's going to be it. Is that a good enough? And still ranks as like an ideal matchup against against Brooklyn against opposing centers. Yeah, I think that's that's always the rub, right? It's like when you get these super high points per minute guys, and you get them in great matchups, you. I can realize incredible upside. Like there's, I mean, I guess, have they said the max is 25 minutes or is that just what we're going off based on the Sacramento game? I just want to go off the Sacramento game. It's he, last time he started, that was what he played too. Like he just like yeah, 25, 26. He's not going to go out there and play 31 is my point. Like, Do you see that his not... line in those two games where he had 25 minutes were identical? 13, 9 with two assists. Well, this is what I mean. Like you know what you're getting and this is a great matchup. Like I think that actually from a safety yeah. perspective, like you just know he's going to give you 5X plus on this. Buckets and boards all day. Like, yeah, that's I, I think he's fine. I think you could, you know, I, I could get talked into it. I think 25 minutes is not a lot, but it's a lot when you're going up against Brooklyn, and it's a lot when it's totally safe. I think he's probably not at risk of foul trouble in this game either with what Brooklyn presents down low and Brooklyn's ability to get in the lane and cause trouble. So I think really from top to bottom, it looks like a pretty solid spot to run the canter back out there. Uh, the only other injury news here is Kyrie obviously still continues to sit. The Nets have really rallied around him as a, as a, as a host of a Nets podcast. It's been, I've been floored by their five and one. Wait, Kyrie you host a Nets six. podcast? What's it called? We got Nets, buddy. And that's a free plug. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to pay for that plug. We got Nets podcast. If you like the Nets, you want to hear me and Adam talk about the Nets all day. I've had a lot of fun doing that podcast, by the way. Um, but the uh, Kyrie. you love s- Adam. Adam's your new best friend. Uh, one guy I like on Brooklyn <laughs> is uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, man. We, uh, we've run on him so many times, and the floor is outrageous since Kyrie's been out. Uh, he's scoring. He's passing the ball. The team looks like they're having fun, making everyone wonder if they needed Kyrie in the first place. Stop it with this. Fair. Stop Kyrie's it a much better this. player than Dinwiddie, but um, Dinwiddie's been so good, man. I, I, uh, 
it's been fun to watch and the floor is, is nice and reasonable. It's not a great spot against Boston, obviously, but just want to give a shout out to my guy Spencer. There. Um, Jared Allen coming off a 2020 game with DeAndre Jordan out the other day. I think his minutes floor does go up. This is a situation he's not going to get played off the court against Boston in a way that is uh, sometimes right. with other centers. They don't really have anyone behind him anyway, like Claxton. So I think the minutes floor on Allen is actually pretty high if DeAndre sits. If DeAndre plays, I'm not as interested. Yeah. But we've seen... It's too he, expensive if DeAndre But DeAndre... I, I, dude, real quick, just because of the Nets thing. Jared Allen is a top 10 win shares guy this season for the Nets. Like, there was debate about whether he should be pl- starting over DeAndre or not. I know... Um, among Nets people, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. He's been, like, among the very best players in the entire league. Like, his win shares per 48 are, he's a top 10 player. And, like, and the and the guys above him are, like, the names that you would think, like Harden and Giannis and Luka and stuff like that. So, anyway, my boy Jared Allen getting it done. Him and Dinwiddie. All right, let's move on. Uh, actually, real quick, I hit a sponsor. Vivid Seats app. If you're getting tickets to the game, you want to go to one of these massive uh, Thanksgiving night, Wednesday before Thanksgiving games, um, or just any, any ticket in general, Vivid Seats app, you got to download it, use the promo code overtime, just like the network we're on, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, automatically enrolled into the rewards program, going to get you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase, makes ticket buying super easy, you get to see exactly what you're going to get uh, when you sit down in that seat, the views, um, you're going to know if it's a good deal or not, because it's marked on the app, Vivid Seats app, download it, use the promo code overtime, if you're doing anything with tickets, it's a must have. All right, 7.30 games. Knicks go in and play Toronto. Toronto, 10.5-point home favorites here. Knicks, uh, the injury news is R.J. Barrett is questionable right now. He might even be ducked down to, uh, to doubtful. Frank Nicolina is questionable. Uh, Kevin Knox is doubtful. Their Knicks are a total and utter mess. Uh, don't have any idea what's going on with this team. And if, uh, if we had a bunch of injury guys here, is this a team that you'd feel comfortable enough projecting out? Like, Let's just say they all sit. Um, like Bobby Portis of the world, Marcus Morris, guys like this. Like, are these guys you would still at their prices be willing to run into a Raptors team that's probably going to absolutely kill them? And then going the other way, the Raptors, guys like Van Vliet and, and Siakam, they just play a ton, right? Like OG plays a ton. Like they're, just, they're, 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 they're continuing to deal with injuries. Abaka's out and uh, Malcolm Miller's out too. Like, what are your thoughts here on this game? Yeah, I think on the Knicks side, I'm not super interested in it. I just think I can do better on a really big slate and – even if it's one of those situations where they're sort of out of minutes, uh, with the Raptors being 10.5-point favorites, which is arguably low, and just good, and the fact that these Knicks guys that you're considering, it doesn't remind me that much of like the Golden State situation earlier this season, where you're like, these guys are all 4,000 and less, and there's just 240 minutes that you have to apply <laughs> to, right. to these guys somehow. Like with Marcus Morris, like he's already pretty expensive, right? And I know that he's been fine on this price, and if you can pencil him in for more minutes you might be able to get there but is he going to really do a lot better than what he's been doing recently around 23 points and five boards like I don't think so no effort on the defensive end really for him I just can't see wanting to run him into a slow and slow pace good defense team like Toronto so I can't really consider the the Knicks I don't think um Siakam a little overpriced for me but I do like Fred VanVleet and OJ I think both of those guys uh, still maintaining some value, and with Van Vliet in particular, just bringing an outrageously high floor. So I I think there's definitely some stuff to like on the Toronto side. And as I'm one, one of the tiebreakers for me is I'm sort of breaking down these absolutely big slates. I'm certainly trying to shoot the moon on upside, but I'm definitely filing away guys like Fred Van Vliet, who I can sort of plug in at that $8,000 price tag and just know that I can get those 40 points. Like at some point, yeah. and it hasn't opened up this way just yet, but it probably will, where we just have all these punts available to us. Uh, guys like Van Vliet, I think, bring a sneaky level of value just on the basis of getting those 
38 minutes and 40 fantasy points. So that, And that's what yeah. I meant, like the opposite of guys like, I forget who I mentioned about this before. Oh, Blake, right? Like you yeah. can just get 40, you can just get 40 minutes out of Siakam and Van Vliet. Like they just, that's the way that Toronto's playing. Um, I get that it's built into their price, sort mm-hmm. of, like, <laughs> but maybe just not enough when you talk about absolute floor. And I, and I think I'm with you that on a big slate, knowing a player's floor is pretty, is pretty important. And I think that from the Toronto perspective, those two guys in particular are just so safe at this point that they're just outside of foul trouble for like Siakam, which is a time of problem for him. Um, outside of foul trouble, you're really feeling pretty good about it. That's the only 7.30 game, by the way. The next, they get into 8 o'clock games. Clippers going to play Memphis. Clippers on the back-to-back. There's no official news right now, but Kawhi, they basically said Kawhi's not playing any back-to-backs, and he played last night against Dallas. So I believe he is going to sit here. Um, again, he's listed as doubtful, but I think that's just speculative doubtful. Uh, I don't think it's been an official piece. I will say that this game luckily is early, and the Clippers have been pretty good with news like this, so I think we'll, I think we will just know. If he sits, how much do we want to go? Because Memphis is an awesome matchup here. Uh, they're just ba- basically one of the best matchups you can get. They play yeah. uh, pretty fast and pretty bad defense. Paul George, Lou Will, Montrezl, like, where do we stand with these guys? Like, do we want to just lock in three Clippers or something like that and say this is this has an incredible floor for cash games? I think so. I think George, especially, like the uh, fantasy points per minute have just been crazy on him so far. And that yeah. ba- I'm still holding out hope from that Boston game that they're willing to play him more than the 30 minutes or so a game that they've been playing him so far. A game where Kawhi were to sit, you would think that that number would go up a little bit. Um, I think definitely think he's in consideration there. And just the extra shots and usage that would come, I, I think it, it breaks one of, one of my rule of thumbs, you know, paying 9600 for a guy on the 30 minutes. But I think it could still potentially be worth and it. And by the way, on the back-to-back, they didn't get pressed last night because they kind of blew Dallas out. So like, he only right. played 29 minutes last night. So I think I think from a... Yeah, but he, was only, he only plays like 31 minutes anyway, so I don't um, I don't know how differently they would see that. But right, I, I think one way or the other, I think it's it's probably fine. I think Lou will too. I mean, if Kawhi were to sit, I think you could see Williams. You know, we, we saw earlier this season, he'll play 36 minutes yeah. when uh, he gets his number called. And in a game that's going to be really up and down, that also really suits his style too. Um, I think one of the things about, you know, both with Kawhi and George, they just don't really need to play an up and down style. Both those guys really excel in the half court when things slow down. Um, but Lou Will and Montrezl, I think, um, can both could both potentially benefit from an up pace game against Memphis and one where they don't have to just wait for Kawhi to limp down the court to pass him the ball. So yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. I think it's specifically on DraftKings, you're going to see these guys are all pretty underpriced. Like George 86 will probably be a chalk play. Uh, even Patrick Beverly at 5,000 is, is kind of interesting. Lou Will, he was he was pretty high, highly owned last night. I know it was a two games late, so a little different. It's 6,900. I think you'd pretty happily play, uh, play him at that number too. So I think there's just such a floor on having specifically Paul George and, and Lou Will. Like if you play those two guys specifically at their current price points, I think you lo- you do again, like we said, like lock in a pretty high floor because that's a lot of the usage on the team between those two guys. Like right. that's going to be most of their shots. Like between those two guys and Harrell, that's going to be most of this team's points in a really good matchup. So uh, I think that's one that, um, you know, if you saw two Clippers in your lineups when, it, when all things were all said and done, I think you're feeling pretty good about it. Memphis guys, you can't do anything with these guys at this point. The only way that they'd be relevant here is if John Morant does sit. He took a bad fall the other day and continued to play, but there's some chance that he sits. If he sat, I think you could run Tyus Jones out as a punt play. 
um, and feel okay about it. And that's really the only thing I w- would even consider on draft or on um, w- with the Memphis. They just don't. They their guys play twenty nine to thirty minutes, and that's it. Like there's no upside mm-hmm. at all on the minutes. Um, and like even guys like Jaron Jackson is just an absolute and utter foul box. The guy can yes. all he, all he can do is I actually did fouls per minute the other day. He's he he, he was like. F- a little bit behind going to one game, then he committed six fouls in 15 minutes and just instantly shot himself into the most fouls per minute in the NBA. So that's kind of that's kind of what he's known for at this point. All right, let's uh, keep rolling. Miami goes into place. Houston, definitely a game that if you are around tonight, if you like basketball, and I know people don't love the Harden style play, I think this is definitely a tune-in kind of like league pass game uh, that you want to tune in for. From a fantasy perspective, I'm wondering your thoughts, though. High total, and it should be. Uh, Houston does let up a lot of points. They score a lot of points also. It's a 116.5 total for the Rockets and 110.5 for Miami. Butler-Harden stack? Like, Where do you want to stand on this game? 227 is one of the highest totals of the slate. Yeah, I think for starters, um, Harden just doing unusual things this season. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Incredibly efficient. And recently, too, he's kind of slid into – just like absorbed Russell Westbrook's powers. I don't know, like uh, nine rebounds last game, eight rebounds against the Clippers, uh, topping 40 minutes in each of those games. I kind of don't know what to do with the Rockets when they're behaving this way and giving him such incredible amounts of minutes. I like they they seem a team like a team that's really moved by it being a relative a relevant matchup where they want to make a statement or whatever. And I, I honestly don't know if that favors Harden in this matchup or not. I, I'd say that Miami uh, probably from their perspective, a lower tier matchup. So I don't know that it's a night that you need to prioritize Harden, but he's still pretty damn cheap, right? Compared to where he's been in the past and what he's doing currently at 11-6. So I think he's absolutely going to be in play, especially as the pumps start rolling in as the day progresses here. Um, Outside of him, I mean, who are you saying that you're really excited about? Like Jimmy Butler, I know, is kind of dancing around our FanDuel lineups. He has not paid value on average on this price this season uh, but you can argue there's been some weird uh, rotation stuff recently with some bizarre game scripts against especially these bad teams like charlotte yeah, chicago and cleveland that's so kind of where are I you am penciling him just right back in for 37 minutes because if so then i think he's a play but i understand why that might give some of our our chatters and optimize optimize your users some pause there now, I thought about this one a lot, actually, specifically around his minutes, and this is a game where I'm like 36 to 37 feels like what they want to do with him, especially in this matchup, right? Like, this is a premium matchup. Yeah. The, the, Miami's been very good so far this season uh, in terms of overall record. I think they see they're a path where they're – What's that? What, <laughs> they're 12-4. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very good. I think they see a path where they're just like one of the better teams in the NBA, and they play in the East, so um, so getting these West matchups are games they want to – they want to just probably like put a stamp on. If I'm going to be aggressive – like, this is a game, again, I'm going to make this the theme, a game where I'm going to get someone maybe a little cheaper because of the minutes who actually could maybe trend to like 38, 39 minutes in a matchup like this. Yeah. I could see it with Butler. I don't think it's a, a likely to happen, but I can see it, right? Like, things going well, game's close, his defense is pretty paramount to have against guys like Harden. Um, I think that this is the game where you, like, really could shoot some upside. He is a really nice price on both sites. So, um, Butler is, yeah, he's 8000 on FanDuel. Or DraftKings, I love that price on DraftKings. Um, you maybe want to, you know, grab some minutes out of Daniel House at 4500 and hope he hits some threes with some defensive stats. I don't mind that either. Not, like, a core cash game play for me, but we have seen, you know, 34 minutes out of him, 35 minutes, and will do some stuff. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm looking in this game, but I really – in terms of, like, the high floor plays and, and buying him a little low, I do see Butler – as sort of checking that box. Another APM game, Atlanta goes in and plays Milwaukee. Milwaukee, huge favorites here, 14.5 points. They are going to get uh, Chris Middleton back, though. He's going to be on a minutes restriction. 
Let's just real quick talk about blowout, our theories on blowouts, and then move past this game. Trey Young right now in a top, our top overall lineup. Um, it's very early, but I get why. But also, they're fifteen point, basically fifteen point underdogs. Do we want to tick minutes down for guys like Trey and Gianna specifically because the blowout risk is real? Um, because that these two guys are about as good of plays you, as you can get, considering just who they are in general. And this number is so far beyond any other line in this game. Where do we want to land in terms of blowout here? I can't play Trey Young. I don't think that makes any sense. Again, like just on a slate where I just have infinite opportunities, I can be a little bit picky. And I know that Young has been good and he's been solid on this price point, but the combination of his ankle being tweaked and being 15 point underdogs to the Bucks, I just, there's too many spots. Like you've seen it with him recently. He can play 30 or 31 minutes. And I just can't imagine a scenario where they're losing by 15 and he plays 31 minutes, and he winds up being a $9,600 player. So uh, it's not, I guess I should rephrase. It's not outside the realm of possibility, but I think if I ran him, I would be thinking I'd be really sweating that first quarter score, right? Like if it was 32-17 at the end of the first quarter, yeah. I'd be pretty upset for the rest of the night, and I don't think that's where I want to be. So I don't think I'll play any Hawks here. Uh, Giannis, I think, is interesting just because – He's doing things nobody's ever seen before. I think right now he has the highest. If the season were to end today, and it, it isn't going to, it would be the best PER season of all time, and that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so at 31, 14, and 6, uh, he's doing stuff that no mortal has ever done with a basketball. Put up 50, 14, and 6 with zero turnovers against the Jazz. <laughs> so that's what I mean, dude. It's he... unbelievable. Like, this guy's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, like, he's he's one of those ones that's like, could he, get, he could get the 60 in 30 minutes. 60 fantasy points in 30 minutes and not kill you against this Hawks team that's really bad on defense. So he's going to be one that will – I'm going to be around tonight, buddy, on Wednesday. Now I'm going to promise you that. Usually you fly fly Wednesday solo. This will be one that we talk about. Um, I'm going to move on from this game but because we have a bunch more to go. We're going to run out. Just quickly on Giannis, in the Atlanta game, um, he did only play 30 minutes when they faced off uh, on the 20th. So that was only seven days ago. And there is a path that he, the Bucks also only won by eight in that game. So there are paths where Giannis uh, plays fewer than his max minutes. They only won by 14 against Detroit. He played 27 minutes. So he is pretty volatile on the minutes front. And I, you know, I don't want to be the guy recommending against playing Giannis. He's an absolute force in nature. He's the type of guy you won't even be able to describe him to the NBA fans 15 years from now who are like, what was Giannis like in his prime? It'll be this weird embarrassing situation for both sides where you're trying not to be too effusive and, and they're kind of being overly skeptical, but again, embarrassing themselves because they won't understand what's going on here. He is a truly incredible player, but I don't know if you want to, again, 12, seven is a lot. I will say though, as those punts start rolling in, if I had to pick between like him and Harden, let's say I would probably want to lean Giannis. Interesting. I think I'd lean Harden, but I, that's one's close for me. And I'm also pretty just close. Kind of, yeah. I'm so worried about the blowout. It's it's not a talent thing. It's like it's just I'm so worried about the blowout. A sneaky high total, um, only because if you historically think about one of these teams, you do, wouldn't think about them this way. Minnesota is going in to play the Spurs. Mm-hmm. This game is a 229 total. Spurs have been so bad this year. I, like there's just no other way around. The Spurs are terrible on defense. They're one of the worst defensive teams in basketball this season. They play at a moderate pace, 103.3, which is right around middle of the pack. But the defense is 27th um, in terms of defense of efficiency this season the only teams below them are atlanta golden state and washington so that's the current state of the spurs and when you look at that i know in the past you know running guys into the spurs has never been a good idea for like the last two decades uh, okay so even before dfs dfs in memoriam <laughs> time in memoriam you just don't want to do it but this is this is a season you can get away with it 
And Carl Anthony Towns is like not all that expensive. And Carl Anthony Towns is freaking awesome. Uh, he's averaging 27 yeah. points, 13 rebounds, 10, uh, the four assists, a block and a half, and a steal. That and in 33 minutes, another one of these guys. It's not always going to be. It doesn't always happen. But there are minutes upsides with him at times when the game gets close. Where do you rank Towns in here in like that Giannis Harden group of guys that if this was ended up being the ultimate payoff, would this be where we wanted to be? Because when he start when he gets it rolling against a team that doesn't have much in the way of defensive guys that can stop him, uh, he has right. as much upside as anybody in the game. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, picturing what Towns is going to do against Pirtle and Trey Lyles is. Uh, it's going to be a sight for sore eyes if you have Towns, and it's going to be a tough fade if you don't. Right. Uh, he's been excellent on these prices recently, even in a way that uh, Giannis and Harden haven't been. And you know, he's he's also been another one who's arguably been a victim of some weird game scripts. And we know that he can play 35 to 38 minutes when things are breaking uh, right for him. With the Wolves as two and a half point dogs. Uh, by the way, how much respect do the Spurs need to get? I think I don't know if we've talked about my bookie recently, but uh, if you want to head on over to my bookie and grab the Wolves plus two and a half as a team that's nine and eight this season against your six and twelve Spurs. By <laughs> the way, be my guest in the old uh, the other... in the old like uh, intrigue piece. Demar Derozan and Deontay Murray like unfollowed everyone from the Spurs on Instagram. I know people love looking at this stuff to like see what it means, like reading tea leaves and stuff. But they said the last nice. time Demar last time Demar did that was right before he got traded from the Raptors. Um, like the last time he just unfollowed <laughs> everybody. So like, if you think that they're if you think that it's open season on the trade block for these guys, yeah, I love I love stuff like what that. what an era that we live in. People put their houses up for sale, but the Spurs. So six and twelve, which is, you're like okay, it's early. You know, it's eighteen games in. It's something, but it's you know twenty percent. But it's things could turn. They're also 4-14 four and 14 against the spread this year. And I think that's like where you start to look at it and you're like, man, Vegas has just been giving the Spurs and the public has been giving the Spurs way too much respect. This is not your grandfather's Spurs team. And they just generally suck. So I am happy to take Towns. I love the Wolves going up against them here. Um, yeah, it just looks like a really, really good spot to me. And I will say though, on the flip side, DeRozan, just so we, before we move on past this game, uh, DeRozan, he kind of reminds me of Fred Van Vliet. Uh, they're I, the exact same price. They do pretty much the exact same thing. If I had to pick between the two, because I think some people will be in this position, I would take Fred Van Vliet. I think DeRozan's minutes are a little bit more variable. And even though the production has sort of come out in the wash uh, over the course of the whole season, it hasn't always been that way. So uh, I'll leave Van Vliet there. And I understand if people want to run DeRozan too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see that too. And I, there is some minutes upside on him. And again, like Minnesota's a good matchup too. Minnesota's really bad on defense as well. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're, they rank, eh, actually maybe Minnesota not as bad as I thought they were. I was trying to find their defensive efficiency. Uh, maybe it's more middle of the pack. Yeah, they're 14th. Uh, they played a pretty, pretty fast pace though. 107, uh, might be the fastest pace in the league. Yeah, it is. So they play really Spurs, fourth worst in the league, by the way, defensive efficiency. That's so. what I mean. Like, there's like, yeah, like it's, it's crazy. Like there's, they're slotted in with these bad teams. Speaking of defensive efficiency and offensive efficiency, Washington, um, they're going into Phoenix. They're on the back-to-back. Phoenix is eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Washington has the second-best offensive efficiency this season and the worst defensive efficiency. Like, it's such a weird team, man. They just, like, get it all done, completely done on one end of the court and just can't do a single thing on the other side. Ricky, Ru- <laughs> Ricky Rubio, 
um, is going to be back for this game. He's probable. He's a guy. He's so cheap, and he's been out for so long. I, like, I don't know. And, like, by the way, another guy is Kaminsky. I'm not exactly sure where to land with some of these Suns guys. Kaminsky, very cheap, still starting for Baines. Hasn't played a ton of minutes, though. Um, he's, like, trended yeah. up to 29. He's only 4,000 on FanDuel. Like, the, the reason I'm mentioning is because, one, power forward is always problematic. Two, this matchup is as good as you can get against the, Houston, uh, against the, uh, against the Wizards right here, right? Like, we want to stack guys when possible. And I'm just like not sure I totally see who that is on the Suns, right? Like Booker's price pretty high. You're getting Rubio back. You're not sure where he's going to land ultimately with the minutes. And I'm not sure where to land with with uh, with Kaminsky on the minutes either. Sarge either. Like I just, you know what I mean? Like I want to well, play. I was going to say that the, the issue I would have with running Kaminsky is that they do seem to be leaning into Sarge a little bit. Now Kaminsky was in foul trouble last game, so it's just kind of Diallo played a ton to too. I think check Diallo played a ton. I think what we're bench. trying to learn right now, or what we're starting to learn, is that. It's probably too questionable on a huge slate like this. Like, I think if I had Kaminsky at four thousand, and that was like my cheap play that I was hoping to unlock the rest of my lineups. Not to say that it's unworkable, but it it would be concerning to me. And I think there's an ar- a strong argument that you could just do better. And um, uh, that being said, Kaminsky running up against this Washington team, the very worst defense in the league, and probably one you know they've been pretty effective offensively, but I don't know that. It's the type of front court that you'd be worried about uh, running Kaminsky into foul trouble or something like that, right? So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it's a close call. Maybe this one, uh, you'll have to hop in our members-only chat room uh, over at dfsr.com slash deals. Uh, you might have to get my opinion later today because I don't, I, right now I see that he's showing up in lineups. I totally get it. And my gut tells me that I'm hoping to do better. My, I'll tell you right now, we're pretty bearish on these minutes, like 27 out of Kaminsky, 20, even down to 26. He'd be in lineups. Uh, Rubio, 29 minutes. He's in DraftKings 1 at 5,500. This is going to be a really tough call here. I think like this is going to be one because the matchup's yeah. so good. These guys are coming so cheap. And there's there's maybe just too many question marks. But like 5,500 for Rubio, guy only needs to play like 27 minutes to get there. Again, this matchup is so good, right? And so... Yeah, uh, I really like... I like Rubio on DraftKings there. I think Kaminsky, the minutes are probably a little high. I think probably 24 to 25 has been more the, the scene for him. Uh, since Baines went down and with Sarge having such a good game last game too, I'd be concerned there too. So I don't know. I'm, ugh, I'm, I'm not. I wish they would just move Diallo, check Diallo into the starting lineup, and then we could just answer our questions because they just play him because he's a permanent guy. Um, but I just don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah. All right, let's three more games to go. This is the big one. Lakers going and play New Orleans, going to play New Orleans. Revenge game narratives. Um, the the biggest one, the biggest one in the history of basketball. The whole team <laughs> of New Orleans. <laughs> the whole team of New Orleans versus. Anthony Davis. I sent out a tweet the other day, which I thought would get, get him a little more traction. That I was wondering if uh, Anthony Davis. Would, Buddy, would, you didn't get enough likes. I a little hearts next. I did, and I, I almost never care about this. Who but did I, this to you? <laughs> well, I, I wondered if Anthony Davis was going to make uh, a mid-game trip to the locker room for old time's sake, um, like just uh, in, 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 for the for the Pelicans. There you go. I gotta <laughs> you like. think he heads to the wrong locker room, like Porzingis did Do when you, he was in New York? Yeah, ex- exactly. He's like, he's like, oh man, it's like just he's seeing. Like, well, I'm feeling a little gassy. He just starts walking <laughs> into the <laughs> just like without without realizing it. All right. Where do you think people land? This game is a 230.5 over-under. Lakers are not overwhelming favorites. They've been really so good this season. Um, this tandem is looking very scary between LeBron and, uh, yeah. and AD. And people love the, the, the revenge piece of this. I, I don't, I'm not interested in the New Orleans side. The Lakers are such a good defense. I don't think you need to, on a big slate, you don't need to run the Pelicans guys in. But where do you think people end up landing on Anthony Davis here? Going in, playing his old team. Power forward's a tough one to, to kind of figure out. The, the rebounds for him have been all over the place. It's very, like, he kind of has had to get there on defensive stats in a way that I don't really love for cash games. And I just, 
think that people, I guess 12 and 11 in the last three years. Um, like, this is always, like, Davis's rebounds are 12, 4, 11, 7, 1 in his last, in his last, five, in his last five games. Like, you just need, you need the blocks yeah. and steals to get there. But where do you think people land on Davis in the revenge game narrative that we just hate to hear about? But this one actually has my ears perked up a little bit. With Davis, I would say there. this is one that I actually think the player might want revenge a little bit, even though it's like kind of Davis was being the baby and pushing for the trade and not playing that much. I do think, though, that there's a little bit of that extra FU mode that he could bring to this. And listen, stuff like rebounds and defensive stats, those are effort-based stats. And I think that you know if he's only getting one rebound and a blowout of Atlanta, that's kind of understandable, right? Like he's like, whatever, dude, we're just going to win regardless. I got to save the miles on these legs. Going up against New Orleans, I think it's going to be a slightly different spot. I'm also like curious to hear what you think about this line again, right? Like the Lakers, six point favorites. They lead the NBA, and or I'm sorry, they're second to Milwaukee in the NBA in point differential. Going up against a New Orleans team that has a minus four point four point differential. So on average, like on a neutral court, just raw point differential would suggest the Lakers are thirteen point three points better than New Orleans. I, I guess like. Is New Orleans this crazy place to play that's going to swing it seven points? I don't think so. I think taking the Lakers in the points here feels like an absolute no-brainer to me. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I think the Lakers have are a little bit undersold because their their um, their schedule has not been that good this season, and I think that this is this is the case that this is the other one we're going to talk about leading into the lock is like where to land on Anthony Davis specifically. I think I got some background noise going in here. There's not be anything I'm going to be able to do to get it out of this podcast. So I just want to let everyone know, sorry about this. It's an outside thing. Um, I just not gonna be able to stop it. So if you hear this drone in the background for these last two games, uh, many apologies, but I'm not gonna be able to get this out as I'm talking. Uh, yeah, I think the Davis thing is where we're going to probably have a lot of question marks. And if ultimately we landed on him, I think I'd be okay with it. And if we didn't, I think I'd be fine there too. Give me your quick thought. I'm going to try to jump off this microphone because this thing's just so loud in the background. Okay. Give me your thoughts here quick on OKC and Portland. Looks like Portland's getting fully healthy. And give me your thoughts here on Carmelo. Oh, okay. A lot of things to answer at once, my friend. So starting on Carmelo, (laughs) I notoriously didn't play him in that Milwaukee game uh, when he was chalked, but I did play Mikel Bridges, who outscored him by 1.3 points. So it did work out in the end, but it was a little bit of a sweat. Uh, I think Melo's like sort of back, right? (laughs) 25-8-2 against the uh, the Bulls. I almost called them the Bears. Good Lord. Against the Bulls. Uh, I think he is legit with an asterisk. So I think he is here. He's going to be a positive contributor to Portland. I think it's a little bit bananas to want to run him at 5,800 on FanDuel. Like, I, I just don't. Like, that's the exact kind of play I would not want to make. I think everything has gone well for him in his return. And even still, uh, in that middle game there against uh, Cleveland, he still only had 21 fantasy points in 34 minutes. So I think that it's. Uh, it's a bubble waiting to burst on Melo. I think he'll settle in as sort of like a true value $5,000 fantasy player, and I'm not going to pay a, premium, pay a premium for him against Oklahoma City here. Uh, other guys look at kicking around this game. Uh, SGA is a guy our system is sort of keyed in on. The prices come down considerably. Uh, it's just down to 6900 He had a few really bad games, uh, including his hashtag revenge game against the Clippers, but I think the talent is still there, and I think... He's kind of rounding into one of these guys, and this happens often with young guys where he'll be good in his good matchups, and it'll be a tough sledding for him in his bad one. Portland so far this season, kind of not qualifying as a full-on good matchup, but they're not terrible either. They're 20th in overall defensive efficiency with a reasonable pace, so I think you can take SGA there. And uh, I don't know if it's where you want to land for cash games again. It kind of seems middle of the road to me, but these are kind of the names that are cropping up for me right now. 
All right, let's finish this off with Chicago and Golden State. This game does not have a line yet. I guess they're waiting on Draymond news. Um, oh, excuse me. No, take that back. It's 216 and a half. It just came in uh, with the Bulls three-point favorites. I, I don't trust a single thing about the Bulls, um, even though this is a great matchup against Golden State. Like, the teams, like, Zach Levine gets basically benched the game before, then goes off for, like, 40 points, and the Wendell Carter Jr. Laurie Markin just doesn't play anymore. Like, I don't have yeah, any clue what's going one. on with him. Like, they start Shaquille Harrison, but not really because Chandler Hutchinson comes in. The Bulls are a full-blown mess, uh, so I have no interest there. Uh, but the Golden State has been running very tight rotations without Draymond. Like, they only play eight guys, basically. Yeah. Um and Draymond's one of these guys. Like, if he played on DraftKings, I think he'd be like almost a lock because he's like, I don't know, 5,600 or something like that. Yeah, he's 5,700. If he was playing, he's like the easiest DraftKings play ever, right? Because like he just like has a triple double right in him. Um, they still kind of run the whole offense through him. And I just don't think we'll have the news. And without him, though, I mean, I would like the minutes safe enough. Even Spellman's like 24 minutes off the bench. I, the reason I mentioned him is because you can kind of consider him on at 4,200 at a weak power forward position. Give me your quick thoughts here on uh, Warriors before we get out of here. Yeah, the Warriors are kind of lousy with power forward options too. I mean, Marcus Chris has been seeing minutes and producing. <laughs> Pascal has been fine. Um, I think if Draymond were to return, you certainly have to probably get rid of the rest of the Golden State guys because uh, with Draymond being out for three games and being – he has a very unique impact on the game from the power forward position. And that, like you said, they were already, they already run a significant portion of the offense through him, even when Curry's there. And when Curry's not there, he, you have to think they just view him as by far the best option. So, uh, yeah, I think it would be, this is just a, a full on wait and see. I think if Draymond returns, I'm not super interested in any of these other guys. Uh, if he's out again, then I think mostly these players wind up being interesting big tournament options. Uh, the one potential, I guess exception to that rule might be Kai Bowman. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on him, but last two games averaging 37 minutes and about 40 fantasy points. Is Kai Bowman legit? I mean, he's almost 6,000 now on FanDuel, but unlike Carmelo Anthony, like we've seen at least on a per minute basis, this has sort of been who he's been for this season, like around that fantasy point uh, per minute when he's been out there. What are your thoughts on Bowman? Uh, is it too expensive on FanDuel? Just terrible if you're gonna get insane yeah you're gonna get insane amount of background noise here and there's nothing i can do about it bowman i like the minutes upside if draymond's not there he's actually a good like just like was like a good season long ad um in terms of overall fantasy stuff because i think the minutes are there he and burks i kind of view as sort of high floor but they need to score so uh that's my thoughts on bowman here um buddy hit us with hit us with the closing remarks here i'm gonna get out of here because there's noise in the background all right buddy you enjoy Um, the, uh, the cleaning people that are helping out at the place that you're staying right now. And as always, you guys can head on over to dfsr.com slash deals. We'll get you started with a free one-week trial to our projection system for the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL. And that covers all sports. So unlike the other folks out there that, uh, that are charging you individually for separate subscriptions, we've been too lazy to set that up. And you can get all three sports for the same low cost. Uh, we super appreciate all the people that are out there supporting us on the podcast. Uh, you can like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to it as well. And we hope you have a happy Turkey Day. Doug and I will both be in chat tonight, and then uh, we'll have those awesome NFL lineups for you tomorrow. And yeah, until we see you on the podcast next time, have a good one.